Zo, Anke. Our first show together. Mm-hmm. <laughs> hey, it was, uh, I think, fascinating, the story behind uh, the, the founders of Third, right? Esther yeah. and Rudolf starting their company, fully bootstrapped. Yeah. And I think it's great how they built the company and also great what they what they shared, what they've learned during that uh, that road forward. Yeah. And especially because they're siblings. So I think that's uh, like a story that's itself uh, interesting to learn. Um, but also they were very open and like with all the ups and downs that went with it while building this company. So, yeah. Especially also how they funded the company, right? Because uh, they didn't attract any venture capital. They did a very successful exit to Snapchat. I think it's fascinating, right? How these uh, siblings with their own money and with from fr- friends, uh, fools and uh, family yeah. raised the capital to build this company. Forward. Yeah. I think it shows again like grit. Indeed. That grit is one of the key factors, I think, to um, get to these types of exits. And also that you should celebrate, right? If you have success, which yeah. is not very Dutch. Agreed. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. Let's have a look. Starting a company is easy. Growing it is harder. But especially selling, that's a special kind of thing. And that's why we launched the Big Exit podcast show with special guests, tech entrepreneurs who founded, grow, and also exited their company. And for this new episode, I have a new co-host, Anke. I've asked you to join this show. This, what, uh, what's the reason for you to join it, if I may ask? Yeah, so thank you for asking me. Uh, I think when selling your company, you always see the headlines on the big uh, TechCrunch or Sifted. And I'm way more interested in the story behind the exit, what happened, what it did to the founders. So I think um, other people can way more like emphasize and learn from it. And today we're talking to Esther and Rudo Bischop, who in 2014 started their company, Third. Very recently, only two months ago, it was announced that Third was acquired by Snapchat. So I'm uh, very interested to hear how all of this came together. So Rudo, can you talk us through? Um, Third is a 3D scanning company. So uh, we create from something physical, something digital, and mainly for marketing purposes. Uh, we started out completely different. Uh, that's <laughs> a lot of companies do that. <laughs> yeah, uh, we started building the biggest 3D scanner, but uh, we thought back then uh, of the world in order to scan 3D people for architectural visualizations. Um, that's how we built the website Humanelloy. And actually, because of the uh, quality that we created, uh, big brands like Adidas and Nike, you got to remember 3D models and augmented reality and all those kind of things were, were not that hyped up yet. We're, we're still in the 3D printing phase where everybody was like, Ooh, I can make something out of uh, nothing uh, with a 3D printer. And um, creating digital 3D models for marketing <coughs> just started. So then when we had our, our 3D models uh, from Human Alloy, the, the uh, 3D people for architectural visualizations, um, Nike and Adidas came up to us like, this is great quality. Could you also create uh, shoes and bags and everything for us? And that's actually how we created Third, the, the 3D scanning company. And what people might not know is that the two of you are siblings. So yeah. that's another like interesting hook. So how did that come together? Yeah, so I was living in Amsterdam and Rudo had started his company together with the third uh, co-founder, Tristan. And uh, he needed a place to stay in Amsterdam because he was living in Breda. And uh, I said, why don't you come and spend the night at my place three times a week? And my husband is a chef cook. And so we spent all of our nights together, actually. uh, Well, and the nights that you were staying at my place on the kitchen table 
just talking about his company and I was an operational director at that time at an agency, creative agency, and I had just become a partner at that agency. So it was a very, yeah, same experience more or less running a company, of course, in a very different stage and also very different kind of feel because a startup is, of course, different than maybe becoming a partner in a company that is already uh, yeah, already up and running. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, we just noticed that we both had this real big love and passion for entrepreneurship. And he had some issues and I was kind of helping with him uh, or helping him, you know, just giving him some advice. And then the other way around, like things that he had been going through or done that were really good for me. And then... Um, yeah, actually from there kind of grew. I, I, in the end, I left that company. I went to travel with my husband and I became a freelancer. And then during that travel, I said, why don't I help you with the uh, online marketing of this human alloy website? And I did it for nothing because it was a growth opportunity for me. I just really wanted to learn. And I said, you're going to be my guinea pig company and it's going to be fun. If we make money, that's fine. You know, then that's your money and it's cool. And then uh, that actually worked out really well. <laughs> the, the, the campaign that we ran uh, worked out pretty uh, good financially as well, but also the working together. Then when I came back and I started freelancing, I kind of needed a, an office space. And they were at B Amsterdam, the startup uh, hub. So he said, why don't you sit at our place when you, you know, when you work and when you're not uh, uh, on an assignment and then kind of in there on my downtime, I started helping them and then kind of talks happened like, hey, don't you want to, yeah, become a... She was always my strategic sounding board. Uh, mm-hmm. we, we can really work uh, like that together. So I definitely felt like this this works. In the beginning, you, you have something like, well, we're siblings, and you wouldn't say it, but I'm the youngest one, so <laughs> I felt I had my own company, and I needed to prove it as well. But I just felt, you know, I we immediately saw that it, it worked very well. So, um, yeah, we, we we wanted you on board, definitely, uh, yeah. in, in especially that growth phase. So first we started Human Alloy, uh, that's just the website. Then we started to pivot towards uh, creating uh, 3D models for bigger brands. And then we really saw like, all right, now now we need to move move faster in, in growing uh, the, the business as a well whole and creating uh, the 3D SaaS, 3D scanning as a service. So uh, we were, sorry, I got to go back to the beginning. We built a 3D scanner with 130 uh, DSR cameras in, in a sphere. So it's a pretty big and hefty uh, thing, but we're fully self-funded. So uh, how did you man- how did you manage that? Because that was also one of the questions, right? Because you have to invest a lot of time, sorry, a lot of money in, into the cameras, right? But also building your company and etc. How, how did you fund that from the beginning? Especially you, because you started the company right yeah. from the early start. Uh, we pretty early on uh, got uh, like a cool proof of concept, which was then very new still, and it was. It, uh, 2014, I think. Um, so you really felt like the shock from the financial crisis Indeed. still, and it yeah. was slowly growing up. So investments weren't that, that easy to find. Uh, but crowdfunding was. Mm-hmm. So, uh, with, with a cool, uh, visualization and a cool idea of building 3D people for a website. And probably the help from Esther also on that. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. No, definitely. Yeah. Uh, but I, I, I must be honest that it's mainly the cool visualizations from Tristan. And that's how we got our first loan, not uh, an investment. And 
we saw, you know, it went up and down, but the numbers kept growing uh, every year. So we just felt like as, as long as we can grow it ourselves, let's see where we where we end up. And what, what did you raise with the crowdfunding, uh, roughly? What did you raise? Uh, what is- 175,000. Yeah, because like it's that. a pretty big investment also, right? With all yeah. the cameras and Definitely. stuff to do, right? Yeah. And that was, you know, I, I built a great business plan for at least two years that we could uh, stay afloat. Yeah. But that was like seven months or eight months, <laughs> yeah, yeah, something yeah. like that. <laughs> yeah. That's uh, uh, also one of the hard things you learn when doing business, that uh, financial planning in the beginning is a lot harder uh, than you think. There, there are a lot of costs. That, that are hard to, to plan ahead for that are coming. And besides that 170,000, was there any other uh, investments involved or you're basically bootstrapped? Fully bootstrapped and uh, friends, families and fools. Yeah. Uh, especially, you know, after those seven months, that's when we had some hard times. We were on the verge of bankruptcy three or four times. Mm-hmm. That's really when, oh. when friends and family helped. Uh, yeah. And mainly because... The, the, again, the numbers were growing. We, mm-hmm. The business was doing good, but it just cost more upfront uh, to do than we expected at, at first. And what was the main cost? Was it because you already did the investment in the camera, right? So the hardware was already there. What what, what was the main cost? Yeah. So uh, before we switched over to uh, selling towards brands, mm-hmm. uh, we had a website with three D people, and we needed to create those three D people upfront, uh, which okay. were. Yeah. one or two weeks of work per person. And then we sold them actually pretty cheaply. So uh, we would break even in about a year or something like that. So yeah, it's it's a lot of basically a full year that you need to pay up front yeah. uh, before you can even break even. And it's mainly the staffing costs required to do this scanning, right? If I understand you correctly. That's uh, a- yeah, staffing costs, but a, a lot of licensing and uh, the models itself, the, the scanning days. So because we have to pay them for a perpetual license, oh, yeah. uh, okay. a, a global perpetual license, because if you sell the 3D model, you have mm-hmm. no way of tracking it after that. Okay. So it, it needs to be free of any uh, claim uh, in anything. And who did who did you scan those days? Who did you, because you used probably... For the 3D uh, people store, we scanned mundane, normal people okay. as, as, because it's for architectural visualization. So mm-hmm. it's, it's a great house and there just need to be a couple of people in front of it. Yeah. But they, it shouldn't be a superstar or anything. No, it is. Because then they attract all the attention. But we had all kinds of side hustles. Like um, we scanned Armin van Buren and two or three other DJs. Um, Martin Garrix, right? Martin Garrix, yeah, exactly. Uh, and what I like about um, uh, these types of podcasts that people realize it's not like a linear path, right? You're also saying like we had to like almost two, three times that um, we had to like close shop. Yeah. So Esther, can you maybe, like what happened? Like, can we double click on that? Because going back to your friends and family, asking for more money, that's like, that comes with probably like a a burden on your shoulders. Yes. Um, And and especially if you're already siblings, right? That's already a family. And I must say, Rudo and Tristan really invested a lot of their own money in the company as well. So they didn't pay out salary. Yeah for years and that was something that was also something that i realized when i entered the company like they already have so much invested right so i did put in 
money, but definitely not the amount that they put in. And it was also my family and his friends. And you feel really responsible altogether, of course, you know, to make it work. But um, yeah, I definitely, I myself felt that, but I definitely saw it in uh, my brother and Tristan as well. That it was a huge strain on them mentally, uh, you know, emotionally, that you have this burden and and especially because you're bootstrapped for us it was uh yeah it's also always like how we're gonna make it to the end of the month can we do our investments that had the innovations that we want to do can we get enough customers uh and 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 that was always a bit of a discussion like do we need to find an investment shall we do this in a different way but yeah and, uh, there were always enough bigger clients you know that we had as a lead and we were like well if we can land that customer, then, you know, we're going to, and then yeah. we don't need that investment, you know, mm -hmm. and you can just be, yes, kind of stay free in your choices. And, you know, you don't have to go on that enormous growth path, yeah. you know? So I think that was always, but yeah, it, it was, we definitely had really hard times where, you know, it was just like, we were just, oh my God, how are we going to do this? You know? And that also puts a strain on your relationship as brother or sister. Yeah. Was and quitting ever an option where you were like... I'm done. No, I don't think so. Well, actually, I went in pretty neutral. As long as we were growing our numbers uh, with at least twice as much, you don't feel like you should quit. So then yeah. I'm had to invest more. But as if if that ever would when would have gone down, I probably would think more of you know is this really still worth it? Should we move on? to another option or should we sell or, or those type of things. Yeah. And is that like that goalpost, does that move? Because I can imagine like, oh, like you keep want to uh, move forward and like believe in the bigger vision, but like quitting sometimes might be the easiest option. And also like between the three of you, were you always online? I don't think we were always online. No. No. Um, I. If we fast forward, so in the beginning, the first six or seven years, we always kept growing uh, every uh, year after year. And the last two or three years, especially with Corona, uh, we started flatlining. But we still saw that the potential was there because the market itself actually grew a lot further. Uh, but that was the moment that we saw, like, you know, maybe we need a, a much bigger investment to really get this going in, in the way it should be. And that's when we first thought about uh, exiting as well. Yeah. Uh, should we keep on going? And what, what was, because uh, we see it also right in the portfolio uh, of founders where we invest in, is that founders are always, let's say, agree on everything. But if things get hard, then it's harder to agree on things. And then then views differ, right, about the situation. What's, what's the big, biggest difference that the two of you had, right? Especially as siblings, because then it's even harder or perhaps even easier to have this kind of discussion. But what was the biggest, let's say, thing what you didn't agree on? Yeah, I think in the end, it wasn't about not agreeing, but just having... Or a different view, of course. Maybe different views. Mm -hmm. But I think that's something that we do pretty well, or that's how I see it at least. Like we are good at kind of going back and forth with different visions, different ideas, and also maybe different views on how we should approach that. And then both of us go like, okay, let's just, you know, shred it down, analyze what is the best way. And then in the end, we kind of come up with a mutual outcome i believe and sometimes this can take weeks mm -hmm. <laughs> you know <Okay. laughs> because we kind of need to okay let's go home just think sometimes we screamed at each other and <laughs> we kind of <laughs> left and we we're like whatever 
whatever, you know? <laughs> and then, you know, you kind of yeah. come back after the weekend and we're like, okay, let's sit down again. How are we going to do this? And then in the end, yeah, we always came up with a good with a good solution, I think. Uh, yeah, because we always went forward. Uh, and, and what's the different approaches that, that the two of you have? Is Are you more acting, for example, on good, good feeling or facts and data? Or are you more, let's say, the, the angry person in the conversation or more consensus-oriented, right? What, what is the difference between the two of you, especially, mm -hmm. again, as siblings, right? Because I think that's fascinating to, to, to have a company together. So, first of all, I think as, as a, a, a group together, I think the three of us always felt like um, we had a different uh, start mm -hmm. yes. and we feel that everybody should have their freedom to choose whatever they want, but not as, as long as you don't um, put the others down over the back of the other two. Mm -hmm. um, so, we, we try to find the, the consensus and I think I'm more uh, creatively out there with all kinds of wild visions and views of how we can do things uh, and she's much more down to earth and needs to understand it and, and needs to uh, be able to plan her own uh, path in that way so I think the the way we always did it was just say what what we felt we needed to say mm -hmm. to, to have everything out in the open and then just kind of like a puzzle see all right so how can we fit all of these different views and things together in a way that it's manageable uh, for everybody with the understanding that you can't have everything. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. so also a question to you, Ankur, what's your view there also? Because we, we both are investors, right? So we talk a lot to founders and, and, and there are views where investors say and also founders say the consensus model doesn't work, right? Because then you get the average yeah. and not an outlying path right which in most cases is the best one and there's another group who says right you should go for the consensus because the best is a combined view right but what's what's your view uncle that what's your take uh it's a good question i think uh the outlier scenario i like as i think especially for like us like being like super early you have to see things that other people don't see yet mm -hmm. but um there is something where then fado is not the right word But like in, in terms of the values and the principles, it should be aligned. Yeah. Um, I think what's interesting about your company, what we see also sometimes, which might be a good question for you, mm -hmm. where there's like either siblings I don't see that much, but like a husband-wife company. Yeah. And then even, sometimes even like a third uh, founder in place. And that does pass me sometimes. Yeah. Because um, you bring, and I think especially with husband-wife, um, and of course we've got amazing examples with Eventbrite or Canva. But in other cases, I also have seen it terribly wrong. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, and I wonder in your fundraising process, when, you're th when you were thinking of maybe raising external capital, if that ever came up, and that might also have been an, a reason why, luckily, afterwards, like uh, it has been like a bootstrap company. Shall I? Uh... Yeah. So I do agree with you. Just to go back on the outlier question, I do believe, uh, I think we are very much aligned on that conceptually or conceptual wise so in your company what direction do you take i think you should go for more an outlier uh concept right you should do something unique and i think that is definitely what we did with third i think a lot a long time also we were very much ahead of the market and that was a very good and comfortable position uh we were in but i think the consensus for us was more on the business decisions you know like what are you now going to do 
and in that, I think a good discussion and a bit of like fire, you know, and fireworks is very good yeah. because you kind of know, okay, where do you stand? Where do I stand? Where does our third uh, co-founder stand? But then in the end, you need to go, yeah, you all need to go forward in a path, right? And you yeah. kind of need to go on because it's three founders and you need to, yeah. Take and I think step. it all comes down to trust. Like when you're like starting Very a company, much. you have to trust. Yes. And maybe you don't agree, but you trust that this is the right direction. Yes. And it's like blindly trust the other person. And I think uh, I it's, agree. Yeah. I, I think it's trusting your word. I mean, yeah. um, everything that we build uh, also with uh, outside contractors, uh, new partners, even uh, probably the, the, the first clients that we got, it, it's you say something and you make it you make it work regardless yeah. uh, so especially in the beginning uh, we really didn't pay ourselves so we could pay the others because we promised that even if things didn't go as as was uh, planned and all those kind of things yeah and also your family and friends were also involved right in funding the company that means also a lot of responsibility to yeah. you guys right that's yeah. uh, because that's you know if you have a vc on board that's a little bit let's say less involved on a personal level right and then your friends and family so uh, yeah i can imagine it gets a lot of uh, tension there also hey and, and indeed what was let's say the response from when you uh, because you tried to raise funding also if i understood correctly right so you bootstrapped the company you raised crowdfunding early on and of course you had the first clients paying etc so there was let's say some revenue apart from your own investment came in. Yes. But what was, let's say, the trajectory on raising funding? Can you elaborate a little bit on that? Yeah. What, what did you do on that end? So first of all, with the sibling question, the, the funny thing is the third one actually wanted Esther in more <laughs> than I wanted. So that that really immediately uh, took the, the, the fuse out of that kind of question mm -hmm. uh, because he could immediately say something like that. Um, but on the funding, I think, in the beginning, we really had the issue that it was so out there that everybody said we needed to, we needed a proof of concept, but we also needed a lot of hardware. So the, the, the proof of concept together with the hardware made it really hard for others to. That's not an area where a lot of investors like to be in, right? Exactly. A, yeah. Especially in the Netherlands, I feel. There yeah. are not yeah. too many hardware exactly. focused uh, yes. investors. And, and we felt the same way. Uh, definitely. So then they asked us for a proof of concept. We took on loans and then it became, yeah, but now you have hardware and loans. Now it's even harder for you guys mm -hmm. to invest unless it's really uh, great. So we, we kept feeling like we should show the next step already before we could get an investment. But then we had the next step and we were like, well, do we still need an investment? <laughs> yeah, I did. Yeah. So it's, yeah, it was really the chicken and egg feeling the entire time. But what was your feeling on the funding process, right? How investors reacted on you and acted on you? Also, again, indeed, at siblings, but also, let's say, in the face of the company where you were, right? How was the, the process for you personally on a personal level? I, I, I've never had an issue with us being siblings uh, <laughs> the, the, towards investors. But that's if, if you see us work with the three of us, you, you see that it works. Mm -hmm. So, um, And I feel that a lot of investors has the, have that six cents for something like that so mm -hmm. I, I think it was always with us with the numbers the hardware and yeah. those types okay. of things okay. and we saw that as we we were more in america and everything uh, other competitors of us just had a, had a lot easier path with investors in the beginning uh than than we had here in 2014 as well i think the uh, investing climate uh, grew a lot more in, in the meantime, uh, which I think is great. But yeah, in, in the 
starting time, that was really hard. Yeah. I think we'll talk more about like the actual exit in, in a bit, but um, in hindsight, when you started a company, you had like certain ambitions and I guess like these ambitions, they change over time. But in hindsight, would you have, um, if you've had the op- option, would you have had um, raised a ton of money to change the direction or trajectory of the company? Or looking back now, almost like a year later, you feel like this is uh, what I would have loved to see. Like we hit all the milestones that I wanted to hit. I'd love to answer, but I'm very curious of what estimates. <laughs> no, I to bring it on. Oh, okay. <laughs> I would have loved to build a company. Yeah, I would have loved to uh, raise that money and build it uh, ourselves. I do see, and I think we also saw that in the process. Or shall I, maybe you should first. Okay. So what we do see is that uh, as a startup, you have a different kind of position, especially with the big brands that we work with or that we created our solution for. Mm -hmm. You have a very different position than now, you know, with a big company, big name backing you. And it's just so much easier. We work with all the same brands that we worked with when we were still a startup. But somehow there's so much more confidence in this big name, you know? Yeah, so it's just a very different feeling. And that's something that I kind of wonder, you know, if we would have had the money and we would have had that investment, I'm sure we could have built a company further uh, ourselves. But in the end, would we have been able to create the same impact with our technology? I wonder. And, And that is something I'm super excited for now, that we are really putting, yeah, the standards uh, of 3D uh, asset creation uh, worldwide for this company that bought us. Now we are, yeah, one of the uh, standards for 3D creation. Uh, we we are now rolling that out internationally, and I think that's that's just amazing. I mean, that's something we definitely celebrated as well as a team. We're like, oh my god, you know, we're yeah, we are the ones that that bring that standard now, you know, to the world. And that's, that's just awesome. That's just, that's that's so super cool. Yeah. Yeah. So I wonder if we could, but go ahead and answer. Yeah. What's your view? (laughs) I'm curious to hear you. No, I, so as we were building our, uh, 3D asset, uh, uh, rig, our, our 3D scan solution, uh, you could see that we were almost hyper-focused on innovating as much as possible in the, uh, 3D scanning and the 3D asset, uh, creation, side of of the whole thing but as we went on working for brands you could see that you need a platform to approve it you need qa you need somewhere where you can uh, uh, look at it from uh, a 3d viewer perspective ar how are you going to use it in marketing and all those types of things and we kept getting those questions with the brands as well that you really need the, the full surface solution, uh, which we couldn't offer at that moment. And in order to get an investment for that and set it up, that would really set us back all the way yeah. at, the, at the back of the line. Well, with our 3D content creation itself, we were way up front. So um, I, I started to grow much more towards maybe we should just be that, that singular focused a company be sold to a, a larger company like Snapchat. Uh, actually, that, that, fun fact: I I never was interested in Snapchat. Uh, Esther really was. I felt that we should go to the brands itself because they were our clients. I was like, why would we go to a platform like this? That, that as an acquirer, also you mean? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Oh, okay. Why are you well, wasting your time on Snapchat? As just <laughs> go for the brands. Yeah. Like you know, you never know. They do stuff with augmented reality. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Okay. okay. 
Interesting. Yeah. Shall we? Is it a good moment now to go to the exits? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is it uh, yeah. because we are thinking? Can I just add one more yeah, thing? Please. I think now, especially with all the developments in AI, the whole changed investment climate that we now face, the yeah, economy, yeah. Yeah. everything that has changed. Now, a year later, we are so happy that we did this exit. Yeah. So happy because things, especially also in our market, machine learning, augment, uh, how do you say, um, artificial intelligence, all in 3D creation, it just goes so fast. Yes. So, yeah. We learn that as investors that an exit, you know, you can plan it, you can schedule it, but often it occurs you know, without reason, right? Or with a very solid reason, but not scheduled. How did it happen with third at your end? Yeah, it went pretty weird, uh, like a, a, almost an accident waiting to happen. But I got to go back a bit. We really went great with, with the pitch for the uh, uh, 3D scanner. We had a pilot with Adidas. Uh, we were going to work with ASOS. We would do uh, the, the first pilot went great. We were going to do the second pilot with Adidas. We just moved from the Amsterdam to our own office. Mm -hmm. uh, Esther had joined officially. I mean, she was always there, but officially we were growing. We had another uh, 200% or 300% growth and I was going to go to America to celebrate my, my very first vacation uh, because I had a full year that I could uh, pay out myself uh, so uh, <laughs> we, we finally had some room to uh, save for that and I went to America and uh, literally the day after the air lock closed because of COVID. Indeed. Yeah. Um, and I was like, oh, lucky I'm, I'm, I'm here. You were <laughs> so in the US, March 20. Yeah. I was going to go with an RV cross from uh, Chicago down to New Orleans to Los Angeles. Mm. And it was still the, the springtime. Uh, so it was cold in Chicago. So we were like, all right, we have five weeks uh, in a week and a half. We're driving down and then we'll go slowly towards Las Vegas and see all kinds of things. And I arrived in Chicago, air, uh, closed, uh, the airline closed, and we started going down. And within that week, the, the Netherlands closed and everything in America started to wow. close. We arrived in uh, uh, New Orleans and uh, the travel agencies uh, called us like, I'm not sure if I can, we can uh, guarantee your safety if you stay now. So would you like to go back? And I'm like, well, if you say it like that, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we drove down a, a week and a half straight on and immediately drove uh, another week towards Las Vegas because that's where our flight would be. We flew back and I arrived in the office and I, I still feel it in my heart. Um, we lost 800,000 in uh, assignments. My dream vacation was gone. We finally were making a profit and uh, immediately within a month, we were down uh, already. We needed cash really quickly. And I, I was just sitting there like, what What the hell happened? Yeah. yeah. In, in uh, five or six years, I, I grew everything and that was hard enough, but we were finally there when we were making a profit and uh, three months later, it just crashed completely. And uh, that that probably was the hardest moment in, in the entire time of, of building the business. But luckily, we had uh, the, the pilot from Adidas, once everything was open again, that we could go to Germany. We did the pilot, everything closed again. So that was the perfect moment. Uh, but it just it 
it wasn't enough. So we, we had everything that we needed to, to, to move forward, but we could really feel like, you know, we, we need more traction, more clients, and, and everybody was looking into it, but it just didn't go fast enough. So that's when we sort of started panicking, looking for investments, uh, uh, which is never the right moment. No, no. Luckily, uh, the, the government had the, the, the Corona laning of Brugings laning. Yeah. Uh, a, a loan set up for Corona. And, um, but, but we just saw that with the hardware and the, the momentum that it still needed just for our clients to catch up on the new reality, that investments would be hard as well. Probably also a lower priority, right, for customers also to work with you and to start new brands kind of indeed pull back, well, right? It was all innovation. Yeah. So yeah. indeed, everything yeah. just yeah. stopped. Yeah. yeah. I actually had still had a freelance assignment. Exactly. So I said, you know what, guys? Because I was going to transition over to third, mm. but I was still working as a freelancer. I said, you know what? Let's do it like this, that third now rents me out to this assignment. Mm -hmm. So it's now third making that money on my freelance assignment. Then at least the three of us can do our groceries. Mm -hmm. We're not gonna, we don't know what's going to happen in the world, but at least a little bit of money is coming in, you know? So that's how we kind of survived for, I don't know, four or five months. Then the call came yeah, or the loan. Uh, yeah. And then I think, um, when was it? Uh, after the summer of 2021, like autumn, the three of us got together and we said, okay, let's have a walk. And then we really had a really good talk together as founders. Like, okay, we are in this situation. What are our options? Like, what are the different scenarios that we can think of? Maybe let's just brainstorm. Let's just put everything, all the ideas we have on the table and kind of choose three scenarios that we're going to work on, you know, and let's just see what's kind of comes to fruitation. We take three seeds and let's see what grows. And the three scenarios that we ended up uh, on after that walk were, um, we're going to focus more on creative agencies because that's where the immediate money uh, could be. <laughs> so creative agencies in Europe working with augmented reality, working with 3Ds, uh, 3D models, working with Snapchat, working with TikTok, working with Facebook. Okay, that's where the easy money is. Hmm. Uh, we're going to go after investments because then like the big Corona hit was kind of slowing down and we said, okay, maybe this is a good way. Yeah? All of the e-commerce, offline shopping was really picking up uh, because of Corona, of course, Indeed. this was also a big yeah. hype. Yeah. So we said, okay, maybe this is a good time. We're going to start investing or start, sorry, start looking for investors. And then a third smaller scenario more or less was, you know, if we can find a company that would be interested in acquiring us, then let's see if that is an option. And we had already been in contact with Snapchat, uh, I think uh, about a year before that uh, walk. And they had then already expressed interest. We said, you know, we could we could try to just, you know, then we kind of politely declined because the whole world was different then. Indeed. But we yeah. said, you know, we can always start up conversation. Maybe you want to invest. That was actually our uh, idea. We're going to talk to Snapchat again. Maybe they yeah. are interested I'm, I'm in it. I'm going to add here as well that uh, as we were talking with investors, we mm -hmm. could also see that uh, everybody said the investment was hard because of hardware and the loan. Mm -hmm. um, but if we can buy it completely, then that would be interesting. Yeah. And then every time we said, no, thank you, no, thank you, we still want to grow it. Also, investors mentioned that to you, not only, you mean acquirers well, or? And, okay. uh, so uh, not not the real investors. Indeed, investors, yeah. But yeah. The, the, everybody we were talking with to see if we can get some money yeah. somewhere. Yeah. 
so that's why we actually had the third option as well. Like, all right, now let's open up that option as well, where we always get that off the table. Yeah. And how did um, the first contact of Snapchat a year before Snap started, right? How, how did it all start? Did they reach out to you at that time? Did you contact them? Was it another conversation? I sent the LinkedIn yeah, message. They, then they, they bought the other company, right? Yes. The, so yeah. the first thing was I reached out. That was actually the the conversation that we had. And yeah. we was like, why are you, you know, wasting your time on Snapchat? I said, I'm just going to write, there's this name I saw in an article. I said, I'm just going to write, write her a LinkedIn message. Let's see, you know. Mm. And that lady, actually now we work together with her. It's really yeah. funny. But uh, that lady uh, immediately responded, really cool. So I, I really worked on this because you have like 140 characters. I was like, oh, how am I going? <laughs> and the invite, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and um, she uh, actually wrote back pretty, pretty quickly. She said, oh, you should write an email to this and this guy. Here's his email address. We would love to talk to you. And we're like, okay. Mm. But that was so, that was a year before. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah. And she, she was probably in the 3D team there yes, then, yes, right? So not, not, not in, the, in the corporate uh, yes. side of the business, right? Not in and, the acquisition part. And she part. assigned yeah. us to a guy who was in strategy. Oh, yeah. Indeed. And yeah. so then we had a couple of talks, but we were at that time not interested in, uh, yeah, be, becoming acquired or being acquired. No. So we said, uh, yeah, we just wanted a partnership or maybe an investment. And so, yeah, in the end, kind of these talks, we... Well, we politely declined, uh, mm-hmm. but wanted to keep uh, lines open, of course. Mm-hmm. And but then they... And from both sides, I think. Yeah. They bought the company. Then after, eh? that was after. Oh. They bought uh, Vertebrae. So they bought a uh, startup that was specialized in 3D, mm-hmm. 3D viewer, 3D software, and also a little bit of 3D creation. And then like fast forward a year after, when we had our walk, we had these scenarios, you... Uh, again, uh, picked up that contact with uh, that guy from strategy. Yes, but it's good to mention that (laughs) that was the moment that I said, why are we talking with Snapchat? Come on, (laughs) we need those brands and everything. You know, let's keep all our options open. Let's just go with them. Maybe uh, that's that's our way out. Uh, Anyways, let's see. So it's it's about about acquiring, right? Let let the brands acquire you. Well, investing or acquiring. Yeah, Yeah, indeed. uh, We always said we're not going to get acquired, only uh, need an investment. During that walk, we said, all right, so let's also talk with Snapchat again, because they immediately said, we're actually interested in either acquiring or not investing at all. Mm. and and that's how it got on the table. And the, I, I remember that first call was very interesting because they said they were were interested. They just wanted to have a first call with a couple of people that we didn't talk with the uh, year before um, to see if it was interested or not. So I, you couldn't go, I think. And I went with Tristan, Tristan. and another contract worker, and we sat with. 35 people on the other side. In a Zoom call or live? In a Zoom call. In a Zoom call, wow. Yeah. So like an M&A team or like who were the no. people on the other side? No, it was just, so it, it, it started with four or five people. Later on, we heard that everybody was so interested in, in how we could create such high quality 3D models at such a scale mm-hmm. that they all said like, I want to, I want to join as well. I want to join as well. <laughs> so we had, um, 40 minutes or 30 minutes even set up and it was a call for, Almost two hours, oh, wow. where mm. we just uh, kept talking and kept. That shows some interest, right? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. That's, that's what I said to her the day after. Like, all right, 
Thank you for contacting <laughs> This is really interesting. This this could actually work. And and that was of course one option for you, right, Snapchat? But you had a walk, right? And you were in serious problems, right? Because you you ran out of money and yeah. and the market was frozen at the time, etc. What what were the other options in terms of let's say being acquired or being funded that you had on the table at that time? And the very let's say very concrete options. Well. Um, Correct me if I'm wrong, but Snapchat was one of the first ones that we contacted back then. So mm-hmm. there was some interest from others as well, but we could see how fast they were moving. Yeah. That, you know, you're, you're immediately like, all right, let's, let's see how this works. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, uh, we were in talks with, uh, somebody that we knew from the past, uh, who was acquired in Snapchat as well, mm-hmm. that, that really had some great, uh, talks about how the company was and everything. So okay. we, we started to dive in a bit and I was like, oh, this could actually be really cool to, to work yeah. for them. Um, so uh, yeah, uh, we did have some options, but yeah. they quickly. But we also we, like, uh, like let's, this is a good moment to call Nike or to Adidas or like, were you then like actively approaching similar like to, I think like fundraising when you, it's good to have like multiple term sheets on the table. Yeah. Well, and also, like, I think, like, a second question I have, were you reaching out to others who've been through the same process? Like, hell, yeah. <laughs> now what? How? Yeah. We had a couple of other options, but they were definitely in a, de- in a different stage. So we, and what we also said, we noticed that Snapchat wanted to move fast. And then you're, yeah, you're in the decision, like, are we going to now lag? Yeah. Because pause? you want to yeah. create other options? Yeah. But, you know, maybe, yeah. You're not even sure if there are actually going to be other options, you know, so that's something we did not do. We just went with the process with Snapchat, oh, of course, also keeping up those uh, those options. But yeah, really quickly, uh, you need to sign uh, an yeah, NDA, right? An yeah. exclusive, right? Yeah, yeah. An exclusivity letter. So then, yeah. yeah. It's also one of the reasons why we always, as investors, always advise, right, that if you, uh, in the process, always contact multiple buys, especially early on, right? Because you had yeah. a contact a year before, so they have some, let's say, some uh, advice there because they know you yeah. they know the product etc so always start early on in the process contacting potential buyers so that you know yeah. the people and they know you right it's uh yeah, yeah. yeah. looking look, look, looking backward and also to learn from it would you do it differently also or do you think right this was let's say also to learn from right is it mm. here the hardware and the loan comes in again yeah we did see that it just was uh, a hard pull without the, the real traction that we didn't have because mm. of Corona. Yeah. So, uh, we were glad with this, this option. Can imagine. I think we, we were really down, down on our luck and everything. <laughs> and you don't feel like you can really, uh, get going uh, again. It was just like, all right, let's, they're very interested. Let's first see how this works. And, and uh, we know that you need to do the strategy differently, but mm-hmm. they sound really cool. Yeah. yeah. And you and you got good referrals on them. You had a good feeling with exactly. the person you talked to, yeah. right? So it's, yes. uh, yeah, yeah. Okay. And take us through the moment, like when the DocuSign came in, <laughs> like where, how, how at did the end that? of the, uh, the, the, the process, yeah, at yeah. the end of the process. Yeah. Well, actually the, the, the six months uh, before that, so I, I had that talk, then uh, quite quickly afterwards, we already got uh, uh, an offer, at which was interesting for us. And, and so we started the talks. Basically, I started mainly the talks and uh, just because that was my part of the business. To mm-hmm. negotiate the offer? Yeah, he's the most financial. Yeah, to yeah. negotiate it. Um, because it, we were bootstrapped, so it's not that 
you know, you need to sit down with, with no, you don't have a board parties. or yeah, investors, etc. It, it was just like, oh, is this what you offer? I'll discuss with my two <laughs> other co-founders. Oh, you didn't get any help from, let's say, invest, investment banks or advisors no, or lawyers? Or, oh, okay, sorry. Uh, so we went to Techly, the, the Dutch yeah. uh, foundation uh, or governmental agency for that. And they advised us with a, a, a law firm. Uh, which, Very good. Yeah, which helped us perfectly. So. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and we also felt like, okay, now, you know, this is the moment where you need to bring in somebody professional yeah. because Rudo definitely has a good background in business administration, really good financial background, but you're just so biased, you know, and you need professional help in this. And, like and it's your baby, right, what you're selling. So it's also, uh, you yeah, need you to like take a different a, stand also, right? That's, you uh, feel like a Calimero. <laughs> Indeed. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and you're big, but not as big. As, uh. <laughs> no, but that's immediately what we heard from our law firm as well, like Snapchat is so big that it could happen that they're in talks currently with somebody yeah. similar yeah. Mm. and all the way up to the end until you have the, the ducky sign in front of you. The money on um, the bank. It's it's not certain. <laughs> yeah. So I just want to say that upfront that it's it's going to be a, a nerve-wracking uh, moment and that, that really was the, those six months where yeah. you have certain calls at certain moment where you know that you need to hash out something uh, which we had discussed already and I could see on my lawyer as well like all right this, this is important that we need to discuss it those were were especially coming out of that big hurdle where we lost all our um, uh, work and everything a, a year or a year and a half before that. Mm. Those, those two years were just nerve-wracking. So yeah. when we signed the document, I actually felt like you signed the document and you jump for joy and everything. <laughs> but it actually felt like, um, uh, how do you say it? A uh, cramp, uh, cramp mm. uh, in your leg. It, it, it When it goes away, it's not that it's suddenly all gone. It's mm -hmm. slowly... Yeah, yeah withers away so mm -hmm. the stress that i felt it, it really took me like six months yeah. after signing the the document that i i could actually enjoy and feel like wow it, it really happened unbelievable. Yeah. i've got so many questions about this yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> i think like and maybe like one that we can discuss later about the um, buying price if you negotiated that um and then the second thing but um when you signed the document, were the three of you in the same room? Like, did you cry? Did you jump for joy? Like, how was that? So shall I tell about the moment, yeah, and then yeah, you tell yeah. about the price? So, so we, uh, it was nerve wracking those six months. Yeah, and you just go up and down. You think a lot of things, and you feel a lot of things, but you really need to contain yourself. And of course, we could all discuss it, but you cannot discuss it with anybody else. Oh, because it's a publicly listed company yeah. yeah so you cannot even no yeah. and 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 maybe it doesn't happen so then it feels really yeah. stupid to talk about it you know <laughs> so we were really like um uh so we were really like yeah it was just a super weird six months and then when the docs you signed up until the very last moment well maybe the last week or two we were like okay maybe oh no then no. people came to visit us people came three to visit us three days before, and we were like no okay we cleaned out the whole office we did a lot we went, like we hired a cleaner <laughs> we bought plants you know we, like, we bought stroke baffles <laughs> oh my god they're coming over okay 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 <laughs> let's do this oh god i hope it's not gonna this be a no you know because, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah the final audit yeah. but then in the end the last so it was a friday when we uh, signed and they left on tuesday 
That's what I remember. Oh, they left on Tuesday. Yeah. yeah, the Tuesday before. And then on Friday we signed. So we said, okay, let's all come to the office. Let's be all together for DocuSign. And then, uh, yeah, it was a little bit of like going back and forth because there was something something in the contract that wasn't well. And oh, it was, it was always the last details, and right? It was with time yeah. difference. So it was late in the day. Yeah. But then in the end, everything was signed. It was really sunny out. And we ordered sushi and we uh, popped uh, a couple of, no, we popped champagne. Yeah. And then, yeah, it was just the three of us, which was re really, really nice, actually. Yeah. We just had, we sat outside of our like small garage that, like the small location that we have, and we just drank champagne. We saluted, we ate sushi, and we were definitely in celebration mode. Yeah, of course, we hugged. Yeah. We were like, oh my God, I think, yeah, yeah definitely shed some tears. Yeah. Yeah, so imagine. we were like all excited. But the most weird thing for me was like, uh, yeah, after that celebration, I hopped on my bike. I went back home. I have to take the pond to mm -hmm. Amsterdam North. Mm -hmm. So I was on this boat. There were a lot of people around me. And I was like, damn, that's weird. Like life just goes on, you know? Yeah, and yeah, I yeah. just had like the wildest experience, maybe <laughs> one time in a lifetime experience. And nobody knows. And yeah. it's, <laughs> I don't know. It was just so funny. I came home. Yeah, I saw my kids. And then that weekend was just weird because, yeah, your whole personal life it has such an impact but this, this is something you cannot grasp at that moment it's but also you couldn't tell it to anybody right or so or, or limited yeah of yes. okay good here yeah said, you know yeah. it's not okay. out in the open indeed. so we couldn't yeah. we couldn't uh, how do you say uh, express it publicly yeah indeed okay so we did uh, we did tell everybody and well we didn't tell everybody but we told everybody in our close circle yeah, yeah. yeah. and you were saying like six months it took you six months to like after digest yeah. it yeah, yeah get the tension there yeah i really um how do you say a lot of emotions came out i actually mm -hmm. was crying every day in the car uh, wow yeah. because I, it, you're just going 100 miles forward uh as fast as possible I'm hyper focused on, on just building your company mm. and suddenly it's like life catches up on you yeah and it, 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 Everybody's like, now you can celebrate and you can slow down and uh, your whole system. So it really takes a long time. What, what, what did you do to get uh, to get attention of your body, right? And of your emotions? What did you, apart from indeed crying in the car and getting out of the emotion, what did you do to... Well, yeah, so that's the first relief. But yeah. uh, everybody that I talked to as well, who either sold their uh, company or, or new people who sold their company, they said, you know, that takes about a year to a year and a half. Just take your time. And that's, that's basically what I did. I just gave myself some time, like, all right. And... Um, I remember making the first mistake in Snap where it, it wasn't a, a, a big mistake or anything, but mm -hmm. in, in having your own bootstrapped company, it feels like, you know, if you're losing one client, that could mean you're not. It's your money. That, that month. <laughs> exactly. yeah. So you're always like on the edge, like you can't make any mistakes. Everything needs to be set up correctly. And it just felt like, oh, yeah, life really has changed. That, that was actually the, the the first moment where I felt like uh, as if I had signed, like yeah. like uh, life has changed. And that's like work wise, but also in your personal life, because then you get the the money wired on your bank account, and especially as a bootstrap company, like it can be very fruitful. And we'll talk about like what we think you might have uh, wired.
what was it, what do you do like do you go out and go shopping or like buy that big thing that you always or like didn't touch your wallet at all like how was that for you yeah i'll, I'll go first <laughs> when i uh, started my company i also got uh, in relationship with my wife uh, currently and we had three things that we wanted to do get two kids buy a house and build a company that's that's what what we said almost the first things that when we sat down uh, and we had the company we had the kids but we never had the house so for me a uh, uh, first priority also because the kids are getting older and i want to be able to give them a place where where they can grow up that was almost my my first priority after signing like uh, you know, I was still in that, that hyper-focused mode, like, now I want that house because that's what I've been doing it for. Yeah. And and I bought a house. Yeah. yeah cool. Are you Esther? So I didn't do a big uh, buy like that. Yeah, I did one shopping with my kids. Yeah, <laughs> I said, you know, you, you can buy new clothes. You just you can pick whatever you want. And then we bought a, how do you say, Nintendo uh, Play computer. Yeah, it's just really, it's just it's really so weird. Funny, like, it's so Yeah. It's really... Um, it's just a very weird feeling. It's yeah. a very weird feeling to all of a sudden be, yeah, financially free in a way, you know. Mm-hmm. And of course, this kind of takes a couple of years because we don't, you don't get the money wired all at the same time uh, when you sign. It takes mm-hmm. a couple of years, but uh, yeah, it's just, it's just uh, still, still for me, it's really hard to grasp. It's a very weird reality. For me, it's um, also so, such a culture thing. Like maybe me living yeah. in for the last ten years in the US, where people would then like show up with a big ring or whatever, yeah. like yeah. really spoil. Like I've been with parties of friends who sold their companies, and it was like like crazy. Whereas I feel in the Netherlands, yeah. people yeah. are way more down relaxed about maybe, it, down yeah. to earth. <laughs> yeah. It's also like maybe big success, financial success, is not always something to be celebrated. Like nobody wants to be in the quote. Or yeah. how do you feel about with your group of friends? Are people reaching out to you uh, after that moment happened? What what I really noticed, both with uh, contract workers, uh, friends, fools and families who invested in us, and my own friends, everybody was just so, like, if I uh, uh, think one person deserves it, it's yeah. congratulations. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's so cool. Yeah. yeah. And that was really special. I think it's mostly because I also experienced it, right? I, I sold the company once and then I bought myself a pretty fancy car. So everybody saw it. And the people who know you and who have experienced and seen what you did for the company, right? They understand it. But yeah. especially the people who didn't see it yeah. and thought, you know, it just happened overnight, etc. I think that's, yeah. and indeed the Netherlands is really, let's say, don't, uh, show, uh, show, yeah. don't, don't show off indeed. Don't show off what you have, right? It's a very, I think, very typical thing for the Netherlands. Yeah. Which yeah. we should change, I guess. Which <laughs> this is like great role models. Like, I'm yeah, like, after you've yeah. your heart and your life Indeed. Uh, into you put really everything in it right yeah. both yeah. of you so yeah. Yeah. shall we shall we go to the to the guesstimation is that an idea the valuation yeah. Yeah. let's talk about the valuation of thirds so while snap is a public company and thus must produce annual reports the 2022 acquisition information was quite broad. It stated that the aggregate purchase considerations for that year were $120.5 million for multiple acquisitions that were not even listed. So we focused on finding information on third itself. While we found out to join an accelerator and raise some funds, we couldn't find any additional details. However, we managed to access a version of your website from November 2021, which gave us a few pricing indications. It stated that the price per shoe varied between $30 and $100, while a pilot price started at $100,000. It also listed a few customers. So we used the following assumptions to estimate the revenue for 2021. 
An average price per shoe of $50 and pilot for $100,000. Seven customers during the year with an average of 1,500 shoes each and two pilots, which gave us a revenue estimation of $800,000. Then we looked at multiple of tech transactions around the same time to find a few comparables. While the median enterprise SaaS multiple for 2021 was 5.2, acquisition within the space showed a higher multiple. An example is Snapchat's acquisition of Israeli AR startups, Simagin, for an estimated $46 million in 2016, at a revenue multiple approximately between 8 and 12, leading us to, build, to pick a multiple of 10. Our valuation estimation would thus be $800,000 times 10, $8 million. We also hope for you it was an all-cash transaction, as Snapchat stocks is now down 90% compared to its all-time high of 2021. So are we too low, too high, or exactly right? Dodo, I'm looking at you. I think you want to say something. <laughs> no, I, I, I like how the estimation is, yeah. because that was not at all how our revenue, revenue was. was. No. Okay. <laughs> uh, but the, the, the multiple of uh, 10 is too low, and the estimation that we created was too high. Okay. Take that one. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, thank you for elaborating on it. For being uh, for sharing this with us yeah yeah really very open great story and a, a big compliment also how you succeeded in uh, bringing your company forward to the fruition hey guys anything else that we didn't touch on that you want to because uh, the listeners are i think that the founders are in the thick of it who sometimes could like use the insights or like a push towards the right direction anything else that you would like to share um uh, and maybe you... to that point let me sorry, read the... your because I love what you put on your um, LinkedIn. Uh, this is Rudo. He says, being an entrepreneur can also be hard, harder than others think. I know, I've been through it as well. If you're an entrepreneur and need some help, business or personal, you can always reach out. Yeah. Mm, and I nice. think for me, like putting that out there in a role like strangers, it also shows that you've been through big highs, big lows. I think that's exactly it, what you do as an entrepreneur. It's, it's always, whether it's your own small, contract worker where you you try to get your own uh, uh next assignment up to building something huge uh, uh it, it's big highs big lows pivots it's it's uh, constantly thinking like what what needs to be next but what i found one of the hardest things to do is um leading the pack so you, you you can't show your weakness that easily and you can't show how how hard it is sometimes because you feel like your entire company and your team and everything is on the line if you show some weakness mm -hmm. and i've i've learned that that it's actually the other way around showing the weakness and showing that it is uh okay to to doubt and how you got to a certain question it it, it is possible but yeah, you're also in sales, so it, yeah, you, you got to do it at the right time with the right person. Yeah, and that's why I said it. If you feel like, or or put it out there, if you feel like you don't have that moment with somebody that you can share, it's very important. Yeah. Thank you guys. Thanks a lot. Thank you, Juan. Thanks. Thanks for session. Yeah, yes. great, nice.